Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. When most folks think about giving, they automatically default to money. I mean, it makes sense because money is vital to living well in God's world. But if money is the only thing that we think about regarding generosity and giving, guess what? We're going to miss out on some of the most incredible life experiences that we could possibly have. God is calling all believers to a level of generosity that touches every sphere of our lives, not just our finances. And when we get to this level, to this generous place with our walk with the Lord, well, we are about as Christ-like as we can become. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. For those of you who are new, I am Rick Thomas, and I'm very grateful that you are here. I am not talking about money, and I'm not asking you to give to our ministry. We are generously supplied and supported, and for that, I am grateful. And so you can be released. This is not really about money. In fact, I titled this, when you give more than money, you're more like Christ. Now, if you want to read this, I would love for you to go on our website. The street address is lifeovercoffee.com, and you can read, you can watch, or listen to this article, and I would love for you to do that. Again, the title is, When You Give More Than Money, You're More Like Christ. Now, the way that I want to begin this is I want to share with you a fictional giving story. I just made this up, but it is really applicable to what I want to communicate to you. Biff and Bert went to their local church meeting on Sunday, and they heard a message about giving. It was well exegeted, it was well crafted, and it was well delivered. Biff decided to write a check for $100 to give to the church. Praise God for Biff. Bert chose not to write a check at all. He didn't give any money. Now, what if I told you that both men responded wrongly to the sermon? There was something amiss, though it was not discernible to the human eye. You know, Jesus talked about the possibility of missing the point of giving this way when he said in Matthew 15, 8, he says, quote, this people honors me with their lips or maybe with their checkbooks as Biff did, but their heart is far from me. Jesus nailed it. He got to the root of the problem, or maybe I should, maybe it's better said by saying he got to the heart of the problem. You see, God owns everything. And so our giving cannot be primarily about the gifts that we give, since the gifts that we give aren't ours anyway, technically speaking. Perhaps thinking about it this way will help. What do you give a person who owns everything? I mean, the the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so the Lord is not mainly interested in our stuff since our stuff is not our stuff. Our hearts matter the most to God, and it's our hearts that he wants for us. And so neither Biff nor Bert had submitted their hearts to the Lord, the owner 
of all things. Now, I am pretending for this exercise that my fictional story that Biff's motives was wrong. The one who wrote the $100 check, his motives were wrong in my fictional story. I shared with you the verse. It is Psalm 24, verse 1. Many of you know it. The, the actual verse goes like this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. The quantity or the kind of gift is not the primary thing that matters the most to the Lord. And maybe that is the point that I want you to get. That is the most succinct way to think about what I'm trying to communicate to you. The quantity or the kind of gift is not the primary thing that matters the most to the Lord. What matters most is the heart behind the gift, whether we're talking about money or anything else that we can give. Maybe a good illustration of this is to think about a gift exchange at Christmas with your family. Which would be more meaningful? Scenario number one, receiving a gift from someone who genuinely loved you and put thought behind the present. Scenario number two, receiving a gift from someone because the gift exchange is just a family tradition. It is what we do. The primary purpose of of all giving is to glorify God by demonstrating His love through us to others. Now, I have received both gifts in my two scenarios, one gift given out of love and one that was handed out because it was a rote tradition. If a person cares about me and has thought about me and offers a gift born out of affection and thoughtfulness, the gift is not as vital as their heart for me. That is what I appreciate the most. Knowing they love me becomes the most relevant point of emphasis because it is the giving from a generous heart that the Father wants to receive from us. He wants captured and grateful hearts, not rote givers or traditionalists who give their money because it is part of their religious experience, like what Biff was doing. One of the best ways to put God's name on display in your family or in your local church or in your community is by creating a culture of generosity that moves beyond the limitations of money. We want to be generous givers. Let me give you a text that really blows out the borders of generosity in Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ generously gave his all to us. Now that is a concise way of communicating the gospel. A generous giver is a person who understands this gospel definition. One of the most potent implications of the gospel is the idea of giving. The Son of Man came with one intention, to die on the cross. All of our collective wealth belongs to God. None of us truly own anything. We are stewards of the gift of life, and all the things 
in our lives. Concerning money, we are merely administrators of God's wealth. I remember having a conversation a number of years ago. We were in one of those places uh, uh, where they sell stuff and you have to buy it immediately and it's high-end stuff and it's expensive, but it's only on sale today and so you can't come back tomorrow. You have to make a decision today. And I remember telling the gentleman who was really pressuring us to, to write a check for a couch or something, whatever it was, and I said, I cannot do that because I haven't talked to my father about it. Now, I'm a grown man. I was an adult at that time, still am, by the way. And he looked at me kind of quizzically, and he, it's like, you still talk to your father about spending money? You're an adult. Now, that's my paraphrase, but that's what he was saying to me. And then I explained to him that my money is not my money. And when I said that I need to talk to my father, I meant God the Father because I am an administrator of God. I am a steward of his money that he gives me. And I did share that with that man. Of course, he looked at me like I had, I had two heads. But that is the way that Lucia and I have thought about money for all of these decades that I just can't willy-nilly write a check for something. And if you're putting pressure on me to write that check today because there'll be no deal tomorrow, well, then there'll be no deal today either because I need to talk to God because I am a steward. I am an administrator of God's money. Did you know that our generosity is an excellent assessment tool to diagnose our understanding of the gospel? The generous giver understands that he owns nothing, deserves nothing, and needs mercy from our great God. He also understands that he has been the recipient of God's extraordinary kindness, which is forgiveness of sins. And so based on this understanding, he is proportionately generous with all that he has the power to give. He is motivated to do unto others as God has done to him. That is the heart of gospel-centered and gospel-motivated giving. A person who does not understand or live in this kind of grace will stunt his growth in Christ. You cannot grow in grace if you're not growing in generosity. The term ungenerous Christian is an oxymoron. Gospel-centered Christians are constantly seeking the good of others. Generosity is a way of life for Christians. And this view of giving, as you have probably surmised, goes way beyond our wallets, our checkbooks, and our credit cards. What I want to do as I move through the end of this presentation here is I want to share with you a few categories. There's six of them, I believe. And I hope that it will help all of us to assess ourselves, to see how well we live out gospel generosity. And I want to blow the borders off of generosity and blow way past how most people think about generosity is money. But I do want to mention one more point about money, and then I want to move on. I've already spoken about it, but I do want to add this one point. The New Testament does not require or expect a person to give a tithe. Tithe is a 
cliche. It is a bumper sticker. It is a shorthand way of thinking of giving. Unfortunately, tithe has become the almost the legalistic way of giving, and the Bible does not teach giving 10%. In fact, tithing in the Old Testament was much more than 10%. When all the expected giving was added for the Old Testament giver, it could go beyond 23% of his annual wealth. Tithe, 10%, is an excellent starting place. But tithe, if you interpret that as 10% in God's mandate, no, it's a starting place, but it's not the limit of one's financial giving. And so be careful not to limit God in this area unwittingly. Now, that's all I'm going to say about money, but I did want to throw in that point about tithing because I hear that all the time. Well, I tithe, and yeah, okay. Are we generous givers, giving out of our abundance, giving with hilarity because we love God and want to spread His fame globally? All right, so let's move on to some other ways of being generous, which is more capsulizing in, in trying to capture this idea of generosity as we move the borders way beyond money. Let's talk about time. Our time is something else that we do not own. There's no such thing as my time. It's all God's time. You see, God created time. He, he In the beginning, God created, and in Revelation we read that time will be no more. It's like a drag strip between eternities. There's a start and there is an end, and he plopped time down in eternity, and now we are born in in time. And so he created time and placed us in it to use it for his glory. Our job is to steward God's time in such a way as to make his name fantastic, fantastically great. He did not give us time or money to lavish upon ourselves. Time and money are gifts from the Father that we steward. So the gospel can go all over our neighborhoods and beyond. Our temptation is to take God's time or, or God's money and to use it as though it, He has nothing to do with it. We can forget God. Our time and money, it will turn on us. And when time or money turns on you, it creates discontentment because we use time and money selfishly. The most satisfied people you'll ever meet are folks who spend their time and their money in ways that build up God's name in their sphere of influence. If we use time or money in any other way, we will grow increasingly dissatisfied while trying to get more and more as though more and more is the answer. Giving is God's answer to a thankful heart. Now, just a side note on the gift of rest, as I'm talking about time, there should be time to rest. Stewarding time does not mean that you don't rest or you don't have fun for the glory of God. Some people have not been good stewards of their time by not resting when taking a break would have been the best thing for them to do. Jesus said it this way in Mark 6, 31, quote, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. 
I read a book a couple of years ago, shared it with our family, and I know some of our family members have gone through it a couple of times. We have all talked about it ever since. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's an excellent book. I recommend it. At the end of the book, there's some wokey kind of stuff in the book, but you can ignore that. But the idea is outstanding, the ruthless elimination of hurry that we need to rest. We need to come apart before we come apart, as the King James would say. And so we have been practicing that in our lives, walking a little slower, driving a little slower, standing in longer lines, just enjoying not being in a hurry. If you're in Hawaii, it's called aloha. And I know you recognize aloha is hello or goodbye. It is that, but is much more. You can drive with aloha, meaning that you're just being kind and considerate and, and just taking your time. It is just a laid back way of living. And so when you're stewarding time, it's not trying to cram in and do all that you can possibly do to get everything done in a day. Resting is a, in fact, resting is an excellent way of stewarding your time. And when it comes to sleep, it when you go into delta sleep, for example, uh, it is actually healthy for you. And it is something that we all need to practice. And so time is a gift. We need to be generous with it. And part of that generosity is coming apart and resting, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Some people just live too frenetically in their lives. And unfortunately, if we're not moving slowly through life, we're missing some of the most essential things uh, in our lives. And so time is one area where we want to be generous, not just giving it to others, but also giving it to ourselves, biblically speaking. Another one, I mentioned money, I mentioned time. Number three of six is spouse, our spouses. If you're married, few gifts from God are more significant than a spouse. No question. Spouses have the enormous privilege of laying down their lives for their mates. The biblical teaching could not be more transparent. Our spouses are, are co-heirs or co-inheritors of this gift called the grace of life. We are partners with the privilege to put God's name on display in incredible ways through our covenantal partnerships. The gospel-centered man or woman understands this and is always seeking to pour themselves into their spouses. Christ, who was in the form of God, became a, ser a servant so people could be saved as we read in Philippians 2, and we want that mind to be in us. And according to Ephesians 5.25, a husband is a picture of Christ, and the wife is a picture of his church, the body of Christ. And together, a husband and wife have a fantastic privilege of generously giving themselves to each other which becomes a striking picture for a confused world. When Lucia and I, before we got married, we wrote out a mission statement. And part of that mission statement was 
that we want to, the reason we want to get married is that we want to glorify God with our lives. We want to mutually benefit each other. We want to be a testimony, a witness to our friends and family, or an example to our friends and family. And we want to be a testimony and evangelistic witness to the world who does not really understand a picture or what a husband and wife is, and so we can picture Christ and His church, and that has been part of our mission statement for nearly 30 years now. We have that privilege to to present that striking picture, not just to a confused world, but also to our friends. In Ephesians 5.25, the verse says this, "'Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her.'" Likewise, husbands, uh, this is... um, 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So I've talked about money. I have talked about uh, time, uh, I believe was the, the second one, and then the third one was spouses, and then the fourth one, Uh, is stuff. Our mobile devices, let's just start there, are not ours. Neither is our computer, our car, our homes, our clothes, our makeup, or anything else that we can think that we might own. We are business managers for God. We are administrators for God. We are stewards of God's creation. Our stuff is not our Stuff now. Our kids have have heard that all their all their lives. Your toys are not your toys. Your toys are God's toys. Everything belongs to God, and you have a responsibility to take care of God's stuff. We've told them that from the moment that they were crawling and could understand this type of thing in their own infantile way, and that mantra has never changed. Even when we are old, our big toys are not our big toys. They belong to God. I'd already shared with you uh, Psalm 24, 1. Job said it this way, that we came into this world naked, and we're going to leave bum naked too. Whatever we gain while in this world is a gift from God. It is all His. And it's up to us how we use it or as I like to say, how we steward it. Enjoy it. Please enjoy it. Yes. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel guilty because you enjoy God's stuff. Have fun. But never forget where it came from. Never forget who owns it. Never forget its primary purpose. Everything is to put God's name on display. Our money, our time, our spouses, our stuff, and number five, our children. Now, perhaps you are the joyful steward of, of these gifts from God. If so, how many, how many children do you have? God has given us three gifts through Lucia. And I, I, I tell our gifts often that they are gifts from God. Sometimes when we pray over a meal, I, I will say, God, thank you for these gifts. Thank you for these three wonderful gifts. He gave them to us to take care of, to steward. They are our third highest responsibility. 
outside of my walk with God and my call to learn, love, lead, serve my wife, our children are our most incredible privilege regarding stewarding God's gifts. This opportunity is fantastic. It's stunning to be entrusted with three souls. Sometimes if I think too much about it, it is overwhelming to be entrusted with three souls to model Christ before, to imitate Christ before them while seeking to lead them to Him. Follow me as I follow Christ. To be the primary shaping influence over their lives is a high honor, a high calling, a high privilege, a high responsibility. And so number five, generosity in the children stewarding these gifts that God has given to us. And then finally number six, now this is not an exhaustive list. These are just a few things that come to mind because again, I want to blow the borders back, push the borders back on generosity and think outside of how most people primarily think about generosity, which is money. And so I've mentioned five. Here's number six is wisdom. You have a story. You have an experience. You have a life. God has guided you through a few toils and snares. And the longer that we live, the more we will experience things. The highs, the lows, those are the things that make up our lives, and we are to steward the narrative for God's glory. And one of the best ways that we can steward the gift of life is by sharing the gift of life, our experiences and our wisdom with fellow travelers. The verse that I quote so often is Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Joseph is sharing his wisdom about the narrative that has happened to him. And he wants them to know that there is a way of thinking about this. You see this also in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 and 9, where Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the affliction that we suffered in Asia, that we despaired of life, that we were burdened beyond our strength. But God was teaching us not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on him who raises the dead. And so Joseph was sharing his wisdom in Genesis. Paul was sharing his wisdom in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. The entire book is God sharing wisdom through the lives of so many people. Sharing wisdom is not just for the biblically trained. If you have the Spirit of God, you're illuminated by the Spirit of God, and God has called you to share with another human being what He has taught you where you can say, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that I have gone through. This is what God was teaching me. Share your wisdom. Don't ever think you don't have a voice for God. Use it. Speak up. Steward the gift. Tell others about your experience with the king. Christians are generous. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 8 9, and maybe this would be a good verse. If you haven't memorized this verse, I would encourage you to do so. Here's what he said. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Christian generosity is not an oxymoron. It is how God intended things to be. The more you understand the gift of Christ to you, the more you will be a generous giver, whether with your money 
your time, your spouse, your stuff, your children, or your wisdom, or any other thing that God has given you to steward. And so my prayer for the folks who stumble upon this article, the video, the podcast, is that 2 Corinthians 8 9 becomes the gospel-motivated message that grips their hearts. And so let me finish. How has the gospel gripped your heart? Are you a generous Christian? I've titled this, When You Give More Than Money, You're More Like Christ. And again, you can find that at our uh, coffee shop, Life Over Coffee. Street address, lifeovercoffee.com. When you give more than money, you're more like Christ. Let me finish up, and I want to ask you a question about each one of those six points uh, that I mentioned to you. Number one, what would those who know you best say about your generosity with money? Number two, what would those who know you best say about your generosity with time? Number three, what are your spouse's thoughts about your generosity toward them if you are married? Number four, what one thing do you have that you need to change from using it selfishly to using it for God's fame? Talking about stuff. Question number four. Number five, what do your children think about how you steward them for God's glory and and their good? Number six, in what ways do you intentionally share your wisdom with others? And then here's a final bonus question. Number seven, what are some other areas where you need to rethink generosity? And again, if you want to find this article, video, podcast, When you give more than money, you're more like Christ. I do want to make an appeal here for those of you who are interested in our mastermind course. You want to grow in the skill of of discipleship or biblical counseling. I I want to encourage you to, to take the plunge, and you would do that first by checking out our free informational LMS, our learning management system, and it will explain our mastermind program to you. And if you, if this is the season of life and you want to grow in learning how to care for other people, I would encourage you to take our mastermind program. Uh, we have several that are in it. We have several that have gone through it, and they all of, all of them testify that it has been life transformative, first starting with them, but it continues to roll out with uh, their friends and their family. It is well supervised. You're not left to your own. Uh, so you have homework that you do. We have multiple supervisors that look at your homework line upon line and respond to you. We also have interactive forums on our website that you participate in. And so there is a lot of interaction in in written word, but also in video. So it's a hands-on discipleship training program with a lot of intrusive and intensive uh, supervision that is always kind, always gracious, but we do want to come alongside and, and just be another set of eyes on how you respond to different scenarios and how you think about all things discipleship. And so if you're interested in the Mastermind program, I 
would encourage you to go through the free LMS to learn about it. And then if you have additional questions or if you want to talk to someone by phone, uh, we would be glad to set that up if you're interested in the Mastermind program. Our goal is to uh, identify a leader in a local church and to train them in all things counseling so that they can come alongside uh, their pastors the leadership of the church in, in helping and carrying the load of discipleship. And then we're over here on the side as a supplemental resource to help this person that we have trained who is helping, who is assisting their local church. The ideal thing is, is to raise up uh, mastermind graduates in local churches around the world so that they can uh, help carry the weight so that all the responsibility is not on a single pastor or a leadership team, uh, but this person can dedicate to uh, doing counseling and discipleship, not just doing the counseling, but also replicating leaders in their church, and we become a good resource to help. We, we don't just provide training, and then that is the end of our relationship. It could be if you want it to be, uh, but our aim is to have an ongoing forever relationship supplementally because we have a high view of the local church, and so we want local churches to grow in their discipleship skill set and so having someone that we can train and then we have a reciprocal relationship with that individual or individuals and also the leadership of the church, it is a wonderful symmetry uh, to help a church to grow because people grow in their discipleship and helping others because people are struggling. People are struggling. And so if you believe that God is calling you uh, to lead a ministry like that or to be part of a counseling ministry, discipleship ministry at a local church, if we can assist pastor, if you would like to have a phone call with me personally uh, and, and talk through some of these things, I would love to uh, engage you that way because, again, that is the heart of our ministry. We want to help folks. And by raising up leaders through our mastermind program, we have seen that it is it is an excellent process, and uh, it's, it gives a local church a wonderful advantage, a leg up in the discipleship needs of that local church. All right, so this has been When You Give More Than Money, You're More Like Christ. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.